Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some great economic news that we should talk about later this hour. Uh, yet people can't hire anyone because there's nobody that will take the jobs or even apply at the same time that we've got a homeless explosion happening all over the country. There are uh, uh, my spider senses, hair on the back of my neck, all the things that make me feel like something bad's about to happen are in full involvement, like before previous giant crashes and that sort of thing. When the stock market's setting records every day, you can't go to beaches that used to be fine because they're covered in homeless people, and every business is saying, I can't hire anybody, help wanted, and the government is passing trillion-dollar policy after trillion-dollar policy to help the economy. Because so many people are down and out. With the stock market setting records every day. And there's just so yeah. many things that don't fit together. It really worries me. Really, yeah. really If you don't me. have the, wait a minute, feeling going on, you're not paying attention. Something is up. So I'm reading the John Boehner book. He was the Speaker of the House, Republican congressman from Ohio when the Republicans had uh, uh, control of the House, uh, when Obama was president. John Boehner's a good old boy. But he's a good old boy. Uh, he's not camo and duck hunting. He's golf shirt and and and, and uh, Coors Light and Kim- he's, camel uh, cigarettes. Yeah, he's camel cigarettes and red wine. Good old boy, back slapping, laughing at the country club. That sort of guy. Very tan. Yeah, and um, uh, many people who who know DC have pointed out he was he should have been a speaker of the house in like the sixties or seventies. I mean, he fit in with that crowd a lot more than today. And uh, anyway. Uh, a couple of things I got from the book, and these aren't boring, I hope. Uh, one thing I learned that I didn't know, he writes, if there's a real power behind the throne and the throne being the Speaker of the House, uh, it's the steering committee. And he goes on uh, at length about how powerful the steering committee is. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. I've heard it, but I never paid much attention to it. But it's 35 carefully chosen House members that make the decisions on who goes on what committees and, ah. and they have the power to do this more than the speaker does. The speaker has some influence, but it's really the steering committee that decides who's on what um, a committees. And that's a huge deal in Washington, D.C. So interesting. Just, it's, just, it's the Politburo of the House. Yeah, just in case you've ever heard that term again in the future. And he talks a lot about uh, a power and how it works. And he it's interesting. He says early on in the book something I've said before. He said, I've never had any interest in power. I don't know what I would do if I had it. I've never really thought about it much. And that's why I am. I don't. And I'm about to read some stuff about how important power is to people. And all they really want is power. And, and, and uh, I just, I don't know if I'm a eunuch or what. I just, I've never desired it. You I may don't, be a eunuch. I never think about, you have more power than me. Ooh, I don't, I, okay. Okay, I whatever. It just doesn't mean anything to me, but to to a lot of people, it means everything. Everything. How interesting. I'd like it as a tool. I mean, it'd be great to accomplish certain things, you know, bend the country to the better, not the worse. He talks about how when he first became a congressman, I think it was 92, um, 90 or 92, he got into D.C. And he made a lot of enemies because he right off the bat saw things that he didn't like and made a big stink about them. And everybody's like, Where, what, are you, what are you doing, rookie? Shut up. So he found out, for instance, that they had their own bank there. The Congress had its own bank. And uh, when he was, it was payday, 
he said, do we need to set up your bank account so uh, you, so you can get your check deposited into the Congress bank? And he said, no, I'll just keep using my bank in Ohio. No, no, you, you have you, your check has to go into the Cong- Congressional Bank. And like, what? And he started asking people around. Yeah. So Congress had its own bank. And the reason they did that is people would regularly spend all their money and then overdraw their accounts and never pay them out. And then you just leave someday or, or whatever. And it would just get written off with taxpayer money. People oh would just. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. It was a bank. And, and most people were on the up and up and tried to stay balanced in their account, but plenty of people didn't and would get five figures or more deep uh, backwards in their account and just, you know, nobody ever held them into account. Yeah, Rattling off a lot of names you know. that just That's just the way. And he thought that was terrible, and he made a big stink out of it and went to the media, and it became a thing, and so that ended up doing away with the Congressional Bank. But he made a lot of enemies by doing that. Yeah, wow. Same with the lunches. Turned it out they had their own um uh, restaurant in effect that they called the lunchroom, but it was really high dollar uh, meals that were being provided and you and your family and friends would eat there and you were supposed to pay for it, but everybody just signed their name and never paid for it and it was basically taxpayers buying really expensive meals for with shrimp with cheese yeah. with gravy newt gingrich, thank you mr speaker newt gingrich is included in the in the crowd that did this sort of thing but so they all just were used to eat fine dining on the uh, on the taxpayer's dime um, well and it was another one of those things where you're supposed to pay but they just didn't and then yeah. they wrote it off at yeah. the end of the year yeah yeah unbelievable exactly and he made a big stink about that too um so stuff like that and he made a lot of enemies but it just is interesting And I'll quote now from the book. The money itself wasn't the corrupting influence. It was the power. As I ended up in leadership myself as conference chairman and got to see more of the system up close, it only soured me more. Nobody made these people God, and they had no right to act like it. And this attitude filtered down from the leadership to the chairman of the individual committees. Throughout my career, I was struck by what a little power could do to people's heads. I saw perfectly decent, rational members get appointed chairman of a committee and then turn into autocrats. They'd turn into somebody you didn't even recognize. It all went to their heads. It could I could name names here, but I won't. The point is, you never knew how power was going to change people. And he and he wow. goes he goes on and on about people that he had known from year for years and how they became completely different people when they got a little power. At one point, I think I highlighted that. Let me see if I can find that because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, da, 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 da. Maybe I didn't. Um, I'll find it at some point. He talked about how. Um, he, he he said he felt the pull of it. He said, I don't feel like I ever acted on it. But he said, when I became um, Speaker of the House, I felt the pull of here's my opportunity to exact revenge on people I don't like or, you know, make you know, do various things with money. He said, you can feel the pull there. Hmm. And yeah, it, I don't doubt it. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um well, I'm reminded of what, uh, you know, Tim Sandifer and Tom McClintock and Milton Friedman and others have said. Uh, the idea that people lose their self-interest when they get into government and they behave as, as honest and even-handed stores of, where are you going to find these angels? Where, where do you think these human beings exist who suddenly abandon self-interest because they work for the government? It's a fantasy, and it's an idiotic one, too. But he points out a couple of different places how... Clearly, power is more important to a lot of these people than money or getting things done. It's just the power. And like I said, because I've never desired it, I don't know what it feels like. It must be some orgasmic feeling of 
I did that. Even if it didn't make you richer or do anything, it's just the fact that I did it somehow right. or something, yeah. I guess. I don't know. What, one of the more memorable scenes of uh, House of Cards, putting aside the sins of Kevin Spacey, it was a wonderful show. I mean, over the top, but really entertaining. There was one scene where his protege, young uh, black attorney, extremely smart and really moving up in the world, he, he was his protege, but he went ahead to, into corporate law to make a bunch of money. And, and, and Kevin Spacey just unleashes this withering couple of sentences about, I am just, I can't believe I'm so disgusted that you would trade power for money. Yeah, I would agree. power is the thing you want. You could try to give that withering speech to me, and I'd say, no, nah, I'd rather have the money. So, <laughs> and then disappear. Enjoy Goodbye. your Enjoy your power, whatever you want to do with it. Um, but anyway, so that's enough of that. Now get into this interesting story that you need to, uh, I will, I'll see how you react to it. All right. Um, did I pick the right How do you part? expect me to react to it? Anger, joy, breaking out into hives. Any idea? During my first campaign, if they wanted somebody to go to Washington just to steer money their way, they would find somebody else to send beside me. When they sent me anyway, I thought I would do my best to make life hell for the other members, Democrats and Republicans, who just couldn't seem to live without this pork barrel spending. He was one of the ones fighting from the very beginning pork barrel spending, him and John McCain. The whole, uh, you know, attaching things to bills that they were just goodies for your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Young was one of those members with a spe- special talent for bringing home the bacon to Alaska. Congressperson from Alaska, and he was really into the getting the pork barrel for Alaska. So Boehner gets up when he's a, a new guy and gives this long, withering speech. I, uh, I assume I haven't heard it, but he said he really went after the people, you know, about their, um, you know, what kind of people they were and how indecent it was to to to, to do these sorts of things. He gave this speech on the floor. Um, then he, um, well, I'll just read it from the book. Don Young didn't like what I had to say about earmarks. It certainly wasn't complimentary. As I finished my speech and walked up from the well of the floor, where the main podium stand in front of the speaker's rostrum, I saw Don marching toward me. I didn't know him well, but I could see that he didn't exactly exactly have a smile on his face. Before I knew what was happening, he'd shoved me up against the wall of the house chamber and pulled a 10-inch knife from his pocket. What? He was known for... I know. I know. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> the, the man from Alaska. Good Lord. This guy was known for carrying knives. He's from Alaska. Was he wearing, like, buckskin? Had his long beard a-flapping? Before I knew what was happening, he had shoved me up against the wall of the house chamber, pulled a 10-inch knife from his pocket, flipped the blade open, and held it to my throat. Don't you ever do that again, he growled. I didn't have time to think about any of this in the heat of that particular moment, but there are certain defining moments in Congress, as in life, that force you to decide what kind of person you're going to be. Are you going to be your own man, or are you going to be part of the flock of cackling chickens following behind whoever's in charge, tossing out the feed? Don Young was no cackling chicken, and I wasn't sure as hell wasn't going to be one either. The way I figured, if God sent me to the House of Representatives to end up getting gutted like a dead caribou by a wild man from Alaska in the middle of the chamber, then hey, there are worse ways to go. I looked Don in the eye and said, F you, except he actually said the word. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. <laughs> he, Where's our Ted Cruz clip? He, <laughs> P.S. Ted Cruz, go f*** yourself. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yes, he is familiar with that word and its many uses. <laughs> he quickly took the knife away from my throat and went. we went our separate ways. The whole thing was over in a matter of seconds, and it was out of range of the C-SPAN cameras. Still, the story has bounced around Washington ever since. Good Lord. So my question would be, do you believe that? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Would you not immediately go to the press or the police and say this guy pulled a knife on me and threatened me? Yes, or, I or, would. Or, 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 or does that make you a, a pansy? Like, you know, like not, not one of the tough guys. You looked a guy in the eye with a knife and said, F you. I mean, is it just, is that the only way you felt like you could get credibility or, I don't know. And we each knew where we stood. I don't know. That story is so strange. I, I can't I even imagine how I would have reacted to it. I don't. How is, how is this not burbled out of the book as one of the headlines? Like no, in, he said something <laughs> mean about Ted Cruz and everybody's talking about it. Wow. Yeah, I do believe it, and I think his his thing was, yeah, F you. You don't bother me. You don't scare me. <laughs> Why would I call the cops on you, you Alaskan piece of crap? I, I'm not sure I would react the same way, but I think I get it. By the way, there's some belief now by people I like that uh, pork helped the whole thing work better in a lot of different ways. And I then, love pork. Then since mm. we did away with it, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Yeah, mm-hmm. speaking of legislation, Democrats are now openly proposing to pack the Supreme Court. Okay. And, Holy cow. And, and speaking of legislation, the House passed the first thing they've ever passed about a serious look at reparations for slavery. We should mention both of those things. news we'll get to it later remember the russian bounties flap from uh, a story oh. burbled up that uh, russia was putting bounties on u.s soldiers giving money to any afghan who would kill a u.s soldier and trump knew about it and it just proved how trump is a poppin' up putin well we got an update on that story and it's you can probably tell from the tone of my voice it's, <laughs> anyway you know c-span would have higher ratings if there were more knife fights on the floor i'd watch oh, heck yeah i'd watch almost every day well and you got to figure out where that knife fighting is happening get a camera on there you know so there are a couple of incredibly radical proposals going on right now I, stuff i never thought i'd see several house democrats including some uh household names i mean in the same way like the cockroach is a household name but they're uh, set to unveil legislation today to expand the number of justices on the Supreme Court. They're actually going to introduce legislation to pack the court. They include U.S. Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts, uh, U.S. Representative Jerry Nadler. Oh, God, uh, something stuck on the bottom of your shoe if there ever was one. Oh, man. And Ma- Mondaire Jones, both in New York, and Hank Johnson of Georgia. That's a fairly dismissive uh, thing. That's what I was going for. Given Democrats' control of the White House and the Senate, the legislation could allow the party to supersede the court's current conservative majority majority by packing the court with liberal justices. The uh, response was swift and angry uh, <laughs> and kind of funny. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, he of the rolled-up sleeves and the tough talk, said, does expanding the Supreme Court count as infrastructure, too? ha, ha, ha. I still don't think there's a chance it's going to happen, but I, you know, I thought that I've thought that about a number of things that ended up happening. 
Yeah, you know, I used to think that it was merely pandering to the base. Look at me. I'm making an effort toward these idiotic plans that we've sold you halfwits on that they're so important and everybody knows they'll never happen. But I'm going to pretend to make them happen so you'll like me. I used to think that was it. But then, you know, with the experience of observing this stuff for a number of years on the state and federal level, you realize that you stick it out there like packing the court knowing it's going to be defeated, but that puts it on the map. Right, yeah, yeah, sure. I got another and, example and, of that coming up. Yeah, yeah, and they go from uh, laughing at it to just disputing it to talking about it, and before you know it, it happens. So Democrats planning the legislation to expand the Supreme Court from 9 to 13, and this court watcher said, uh, who's a right-leaning course watcher named Casey Maddox, the Supreme Court has the highest approval ratings of any branch of the federal government and polls show Americans support the confirmation of the last three justices, too, all conservatives. They're, wow. you know, above 50% in terms of America liking them. The case for court packing requires persuading Americans of a problem they do not believe exists. It's well said. Yeah. Well said. And uh, you probably recall the last three justices uh, confirmed that it was uh, it was said by the left, stated. That all of your rights would be taken away, gays uh, back in the closet, uh, back alley abortions, no more gay marriage, no more abortion, no more everything. None of that stuff has happened. Has anybody noticed that? <laughs> and do you understand that they're just trying to whip you up? Got another example of getting things on the table so maybe it will become real someday in uh, legislation. But we're going to talk to our uh, one of our favorite people to talk to about taxes, Stephen Moskowitz. Maybe you've heard him on the show before. Since it is tax day, where are things with what's due when? And, uh, you know, you've been working at home for a year. What should you be getting planned for when the real tax deadline actually comes? And do you have a question you'd like to squeeze in? We can ask Stephen for you. Uh, 415-295-KFTC is the text line. Hit us. Armstrong and Getty. to the U.N. actually say yesterday that white supremacy is weaved into our founding documents and principles in oh. front of the world. We have to talk about that coming up. It's something. We are in a strange times. And the defense rests in the Chauvin trial. We'll talk more about that coming up later. Um, today is April 15th, traditionally known as Tax Day. It wasn't really Tax Day last year. Not really Tax Day this year. But you are going to have to have your taxes done soon. And I know lots of people have questions because practically everybody has done something different in the last year, if not a lot of things different in terms of, you know, writing off gas mileage or home offices or whatever. Right. Plus the change in administrations, change in Congress, retroactive laws, the rest of it, confusing times. And uh, for years and years, we've asked our our tax questions to Stephen Moskowitz, who's a tax attorney and uh, former CPA. Uh, Stephen joins us now. By the way, uh, before I forget, if you ever need to get in touch with Stephen, go to MoskowitzLLP.com. Stephen, how are you, sir? I'm great. It's my favorite day of the year, April fifteenth. <laughs> listen, listen. We can hear the everyone. Yeah, we can hear the spring in your step. That's funny. Yeah. Everybody else dreads it. You love it. Yeah, I what a blessing. It. You know, you know me. You know, I love taxes, but more importantly, saving taxes. Yeah, here, here. The, so, I just a, a quick, silly question. Why did they put off the uh, the tax deadline this year? Do you know? Because they got political pressure, and. 
like everything else, they, they go ahead and they give something, say, hey, they've done something for you. But you have to watch out because the deadlines, you know, May 17th is coming up. And also there's a difference between paying the estimated payments, which are for next year, which they want by today, as opposed to the taxes when you go ahead and file the return or extend the return. But on the other hand, the government has given us so much stuff, and, and there's just so much. So one of the things I want to caution people, if you go on the Internet to look this stuff up, be very, very careful because there have been so many recent changes that a lot of the websites are giving you what was good law a while ago, but the things just change and change. For example, we had a big change on the 11th of last month when the Congress has really given away the store. For example, if you own a restaurant, bar, food truck, food stand, or any type of business that serves food and beverage to the public, the government is willing to give you your pandemic gross revenue losses up to $10 million a taxpayer. That's a really big deal. Wow. Um, I know over the years, I've known lots of people that really tried to push the whole home office thing to write stuff off, and then you try to include everything in your home office, right? Well, I've got garbage in my home office, so I should write off my garbage, and i got to have a TV in my office to keep track of the stock market, and that's why my TV is paid. But legitimately, a lot more people worked at home in the last year. Are the rules the same around that or any different? Or do you have any advice for people who worked at home primarily and what they can benefit from that tax-wise? Yeah, a couple of things. In order to qualify for home office, you have to use a portion of the home exclusively for business, which a lot of people are doing now. And the bottom line is you want to take all your expenses that go along with that. Just watch out, though. There's a dark side to that. The dark side is that you're converting a portion of your home from your personal property to business property. So when you se- if and when you sell the home, there's a difference in tax treatment. On the other hand, if you say, oh, you know, I didn't keep my records, I don't know. The government also has a standard deduction for home office, too. So you can check that and you can do that. Obviously, you should take the greater of the actual or the standard, but you can you can take a look at that. Well, I didn't know that. So when you sell your house, you have to make it clear that that bedroom there that you're going to use as a bedroom was my office? Yes, because it makes a difference on your taxes. So that's one of the things that I tell people when we do the return. Generally to your benefit or to your harm? To your harm. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Well, that's why you talk to me. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like a doctor saying, here, I have this medicine for you. and It does some good things. By the way, your ears will drop off if you do something. So there's some side effects. Yeah. Wow. That's another great thing the government did was they, they changed... The ERC, Employee Redemption Credit, Retention Credit. And what happens with that is when the PPP first came out, the government said, okay, you got to choose between PPP and ERC. Most people took PPP and they got the loan from the government, which you want to have forgiven. Then the IRS said, well, you know, that's free money, so you can't take a tax deduction. And the Congress said, no, that wasn't the intention of Congress. Yes, you can take the tax deduction. Then on December 27th of last year, the government said, only kidding, you can have both as long as you don't double debt, but the fact that you have PPP doesn't stop you from getting the ERC, and they offered a max of five grand per employee a year. Then the government came out, and they said, you know what, they're going to change this 
for 2021 and let you have the first two quarters. Then they changed it again <laughs> last month on the 11th and said, only kidding again, and you can have all four quarters. And by the way, they're raising it from the 2020 of five grand a year to 7000 a quarter. So that means if you have an employee, that's $28,000 per employee. So if, suppose you had 10 employees. The government's going to give you $280,000 free, tax-free. Wow. And then you can deduct that money that you get. And when somebody gives you something nice, what do you say? Thank you. No, you say more. <laughs> what happens is that the government said, you know, they had to amend the form three times to account for this stuff. And you say, well, okay, now what you can do is you can get back payroll taxes that you've paid. But you say, well, wait a minute, where, where's my more? There's a new form, Form 7200, and what that lets you do is rather than asking for the money back, so suppose you've already paid the first quarter. You say, okay, I want to go ahead and get that money back. Fine. But if you haven't paid, or let's say the next quarter, you say, you know what, suppose, for example, I'll make up a number, you're entitled to a credit of 100. And, and this quarter, I would have had to write the IRS a check for 30. So you say, IRS, instead of writing you a check for 30, I'm going to claim 30 of my credit, and you write me a check for 70. This is tremendous stuff the government is giving away the farm. Now, later on, we're going to pay for this with increased oh, yeah. taxes that President Biden's already talked about. And that's one of the things you have to watch out to with the state planning. Right now, we have, each of us has an $11.58 million exemption. So a married couple is $23 million bucks. You know, most people have less than that. They don't have to worry about state taxes. When candidate Biden was campaigning, he said he wanted to drop that to three and a half or four mil. Now, President Biden says, well, we're giving away all this money. He wants to drop it to one mil. So what that means is that there's an awful lot of taxpayers who never had to think about estate taxes that now have to think about it. So I, I know this isn't, of course, in estate planning, but I'll just throw out there that there's some things you can do now to save what could be half of your estate that would otherwise go in taxes. Stephen Moskowitz is online. Stephen, our longtime yeah. tax advisor. Sorry to jump in there, Stephen. It's a crime against humanity taking and, and, half of what you've already paid for taxes on your whole life, but that's a different topic. And they always start oh, with I, a huge number, then whittle it down, down, down. I want to, in the time we have, though, you're always so good at what are people surprised by this year? What did they fail to calculate or anticipate, and, and they get hammered on their taxes? Well, you know... Unemployment insurance is fully taxable. So a lot of people went ahead and they paid the taxes on that. And then Congress said, whoops, changed our mind. The first, if you otherwise qualify, the first 10200 is not. So the IRS is correcting those. Also, you can take a hundred grand out of your, if you're under 59 and a half, you can take a hundred grand out of your retirement account without paying the penalties. But you have to pay it back within three years and what you have to do is prorate it over three years so you pay tax on one third of it and then if you pay it back within three years you file an amended return and you go ahead and you get the money back another thing is there's an awful lot of people you see how excited i get about this stuff it really is if a lot of people have said hey i never got my stimulus payment what's up with that that's so widespread the irs actually added a line to the 1040, line 30, where if you didn't get your stimulus payment, you can go to line 30 of your tax return 
and make up for it there. So there's an awful wow. lot there. I could go on and on and on and on. But it's dizzying. We're it's talking, beyond dizzying. We're talking with Stephen Moskowitz. Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. We're talking to Stephen Moskowitz, tax attorney, who we've talked to for years. And so I know, because we have talked to for years, that the pendulum swings back and forth on enforcement. Now, you want everybody to follow the law. I don't care. But is it, <laughs> is it, is it swinging toward they're really cracking down or away from that right now? Oh, they're cracking down on a lot of things. For example, the IRS just launched a new program called Operation Hidden Treasure. Now, that sounds ominous. That sounds like it's been an accident adventure movie, right? They're going after crypto people. So what's happened is, remember for years we talked about how the government was going after people with foreign bank accounts. They've now changed the emphasis. Now their number one priority is hunting down crypto people. And a lot of people mistakenly think that, oh, if you do crypto, it's hidden. The government can't know. So forgive the pun I'm going to use. The IRS has successfully mined, and you know what that is if you're in crypto. Sure. They have mined the information, and now the government is going after people both criminally, put you in prison, and civilly, civil fraud penalty, 75% of the tax plus interest for not reporting crypto or reporting it improperly. So the bottom line, like so much else in tax, now is the time where if you said, whoops, maybe you, you inadvertently overlooked something, is the time to fix it before the government comes knocking on your door with a heavy hand. Stephen Moskowitz on the line. Stephen, we got to have you on again before the uh, the new deadline, but it's great to talk. Thanks for the advice. And if you need Stephen's services or just want to get in contact, MoskowitzLLP.com. Stephen, always great to talk. Thanks. Thanks so much. Always love doing your show. You, you know, All right, what, thank you. Yeah, we got to do a podcast with him or yeah. something, so we have lots and lots of time. One of my favorite things he's ever said, and he, he's done it a couple times. He did it last time we had lunch, but he poses this to, to people a lot, and, and it sticks in my mind. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, a choice. Do you want to have uh, $2 million from this guy, or would you rather have this guy give you $4 million? And, you know, if you haven't thought about it a lot, or you're younger or whatever, you'd say, obviously, the $4 million. No, no, no. I need to know what the tax implications are. That's the whole ball game. What What is the entity or whatever situation I'm getting, the $2 million versus the $4 Because one might be free and clear. One might be, you know, the taxed at 60%. You'd end up with less with taking right. the $4 million than the $2 million. And that applies to every single dollar you get in your life. And, you know, I didn't used to think that way, the way, the way you have to now. The tax implications are everything on every bit of money you get. Which is twisted it and is no twisted. way to run a society. Why, I have more thoughts on that topic, but, you know, I'll hold back for the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, you know, I, I used to be a hardcore. If you're a tax cheat, you're a bad person. Eh, I'm pretty flexible on that. It depends. <laughs> there are tax cheats that I think you are a bad person. There are tax cheats where I think, eh, they're rapacious on that. They made it too complicated. Whatever. Yes. At some point, the king has so abused his subjects, they should not be asked to comply with his laws. Yeah. Anyway, uh, rioting overnight in Minneapolis, fantastic. More of that. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, the defense's rest in the Chauvin trial. We mentioned that, but we should get into the specifics. But what we have to do, we should have done this earlier. Our own ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., said badmouth the United States to the rest of the world. Oh, my God. In a way that is just awful. If you haven't heard this, stay tuned. Strong and Getty Show. 
into the second day of the fancy new paper towel dispenser in the bathroom not working. First time I used it. Did it didn't work for you? I just used it. Like It didn't work for me. You know, I often think Maybe that, he's a vampire, Sean. I, huh? I might be like Bruce... It's like the mirrors. I think I'm like Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense. Because I've often... Those, those faucets don't work for me. The automatic faucets, they just don't. Do you walk into doors that are supposed to automatically open? Are you supposed to see yourself in the mirror? Because I don't. I see nothing. I just see what's behind me. Yeah, I remember how excited I was when the no-touch soap dispensers came in. And it was like the next day that they were empty. <laughs> Um, I was going to mention something else. Oh, um, I'll get to all this stuff later. We got so many good things to talk about. Some days this show is e- the easy and then other days it's just slightly less easy. It's, it's really pretty easy every day. <laughs> um, I've had hard jobs. This ain't one of them. Um, uh, physically, uh, da, da, da. We got that ready to go. Hanson whisper in my ear. Uh, we good. We feeling lucky. Like no. Okay. Yeah, we're going. So, uh, okay. I'll tell you who you're about to hear. This woman's name is, she have, she woman, she have name, Linda Thomas Greenfield. She is our uh, American ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Here's a little of her yesterday. Seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. So she is speaking to the National Action Network. She wasn't at the U.N., but when a U.N. ambassador speaks, it's a, it's a you know, it makes ripples around the world. And she actually said we must acknowledge our own failures before we have any right to be on the Human Rights Council, quoting, white supremacy is weaved into our founding documents and principles. Okay, Our colleague Ben Shapiro, who follows us later in the day on KABC in Los Angeles, said the fact that the governing administration of the United States is going around telling the world that the foundational principles of our country are racist, a country that has spread more prosperity and freedom than any in human history is despicable beyond words. I, I would agree. agree. Yep. She is addressing the National Action Network, saying things, well, like we, we heard, and she told the human rights body, that's in quotes, which includes China, Cuba, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and North Korea, which is that the U.S. needs to, quote, engage trailblazing groups like yours in order to improve. Oof. First of all, the whole UN thing is silly with the various human rights councils, and you put on there people on there that have slaves and commit genocides and let sure. them make decisions for their countries. It's just dumb. It's a dumb unicorn riding idea of a, of an organization, right? But beyond that, uh, since the UN does exist, we should have an ambassador to it. But we should have not have an ambassador to it that bad mouths the United States the and, and, US... and inaccurately. It's not even accurately the U.S., which is enshrined ideas of natural rights and human equality of all people and all races, even as we've been imperfect in pursuing it, that, that doctrine, that idea has spread around the globe to the, to, to the blessings of billions with a B of people. It's been a shining light of equality on the globe. And she's up there with the imperfect union. The original sin of slavery weaved into our founding documents. This is some of the crap that China was spouting at our people when we had our first meeting between the Biden administration and the Xi administration. Some of this crap. Now, the next time we meet with China, and maybe it's Biden and Xi face-to-face, they get to quote Biden's own U.N. ambassador, and I guarantee it will happen. I'd be shocked if they don't use it on the floor of the the, uh, U.N. at some point. As the United States has acknowledged, they weaved slavery into their, and racism into their founding. So where do they get off telling us about 
uh, our sins. And that's what they'll use as a cover for the world to continue to be awful human beings. It's really, I shared really these sickening. stories and others to acknowledge on the international stage that I have personally experienced one of America's greatest imperfections. Marxism is on the march How using race. And, and you know what really bothers me, too, is that uh, continued racial healing and, and, and full rights for everybody of every racial group and ethnic group and the rest of it, this is setting that back so far because it's it's... It's using those legit grievances as tools to impose Marxism. And so if you're a person of good conscience and you want racial reconciliation, so what do you do with Linda Thomas-Greenfield? Do you say you agree with her and and be on the side of the Marxists? It's really tough. They have co-opted the the open-hearted and and wonderful desire of the American people to actually live up to our ideals. They've co-opted that in the service of Marxism. Um, so, Sean, the, the new automatic paper towel, paper towel dispenser. Mm-hmm. So you put your hand underneath it? Yeah. Hands underneath? Okay, I do that. Nothing comes out. Are, are you on the sides? I think it's like a center sensor. So, like, Sean, maybe... you, need to, you need to walk the old man in there and show him how to do it. <laughs> no, no, Grandpa Jack. No, Grandpa. Move your hands closer. A little closer. I'm, no, I'm, they're close. Put them under, Grandpa Jack. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's... That's the that's not the urinal. Oh, okay, I'll get some paper towels. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna have to have a bathroom buddy for you, Jack. <laughs> Sean, you get the job. <clears throat> I'm telling you, this this is a weird time in our history. It getting is. back to that uh, UN ambassador it really story, is, and it's all happening so fast. Where does it end? Because those attitudes are actually a very small minority of people, but they're catching on. They're being taught in all the schools. So. Yeah, I saw one Twitter reply. Is this the bottom? I hope so. Armstrong and Getty.